0: Empower Women in Workplace, interview with Alessandra Wall. Are you an executive woman who may have proven success, but still struggle to gain recognition or build your career on your own terms? Well, many women leaders are instrumental to the success of their teams, but often have difficulty articulating their own worth. Are there ways to overcome internal and external biases, so you can shine, advance your career, and give the world your best? Yes, there are. And if you want to learn them, you're in the right place. Today our guest is going to share some practical tips to position yourself as powerhouses rather than the workhorses. You are watching Happy and Healthy Mind, program episode 127. And today our guest is Alessandra Wall. Dr. Wall is an executive coach with a PhD in clinical psychology and the founder of Noteworthy. She focuses exclusively on helping executive women in STEM and finance, access and operate at high levels of success and fulfillment in their career defining roles. And I'm your host, Dr. Rosina Lakhani. I help women leaders reverse burnout using their own genetic markers. I have been helping people come out of severe depression and anxiety over the last 26 years as a psychiatrist. And I realized that the root cause of many physical and mental problems is chronic stress. Therefore, in these programs, we share tips for eliminating stress-induced burnout and developing mental resilience so you can live your best life with hope, health, and happiness. If you like this content, please share with others. If you need any medical advice, please consult your healthcare professionals. And so, let's learn from our guest. Thank you, Alessandra, for joining us today.
1: I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: No So, tell us how did this topic become important in your
1: life? You and I share background, right? You, you are the medical branch of of my soft science, which is clinical psychology, and like you, I spent years, decades working with smart ambitious women and women who positioned themselves had had invested time effort money friendship given up things to to make meaning out of their life and some of that meaning came from from their professional success and what i ran into one of the root causes of all that stress that you were talking about is that these women were working three times as hard as everybody else for a fraction of the recognition. They were spending time after hours. I have some clients who, when I've worked with them, they're two hours, like it's 2 a.m. and they're still on their computer and they're not earning enough or they're not recognized. And I, having put a lot of effort and energy into my career, was kind of in the same place. And so I became very passionate about why why this happened to women very specifically and what we could do to change it so that the investment that they put in their lives and their career was equally rendered in terms of outcomes and in terms of recognition.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. I think a lot of women listening to the program could identify even in other fields, somehow they either themselves don't recognize their own potential and sometimes the people around them don't. And so we'd love to learn some tools, but before we jump into some of the techniques, tell us how the life gets different. What would change if people start applying some of the tools that you're going to teach us today?
1: So as I mentioned earlier, one of, one of the common challenges that I've seen, and I can tell you this was the same thing for me just in building my businesses. So you're right. It's not just in STEM or finance. This is in life, is that we have women who believe that hard work alone will speak for itself, which means that they invest a lot of time, invest a lot of energy in trying to do things near perfectly. The women I'm thinking of, some of them would get two, three graduate degrees or certifications to try to get to a place where other people would see them. And the problem, which you very astutely pointed out, is that I'm not sure many of them saw themselves. And certainly a lot of the people they were working with kind of knew of them, but didn't really understand their impact and their value. When we can get human beings, but very specifically when we can get women, First of all, to understand and own their top value, to stop thinking that they need to be everything to everyone at all times in order to have value. And then we can get women to a place where they can articulate that value and they feel confident and they feel comfortable. And we can talk about it later if you want, but they know how to do it so that that kind of that bias we have against women saying, I'm amazing, doesn't kick in what we find is these women are now able to position themselves for roles and opportunities and projects that tap into their top favorite skills and also allow them to leverage the skills that make them excellent at what they do. So in terms of your area of specialty and stress, very, very specifically, what that does is it massively reduces stress because when you walk into work, you know that more times than not when people come to you, They're going to ask you to do work that you love and excel at. And you can start moving away from what I like to call the workhorse position, which is, you know, the exceptionally talented woman who's asked to do all the things to a powerhouse position where you become an expert and you're asked to do things that you want to do and you get to do them very well. Wonderful. Yeah. No,
0: it would not only reduce the stress. But then you would be able to give the world your best because when you are trying to do things that you don't like to do or they're kind of draining you, then you're not able to focus on the things that you would excel in. So, yeah, that's a very important point. So, yeah, I'm really excited to learn some tools. How how can we do that?
1: So there are a couple of things that we that we use in in, in my practice to do this and. We talk about this as a general concept, the concept of building recognition, because visibility is the number one factor associated with women's advancement. So professionally, more than anything else, if you're wondering how to get that next promotion, if you're wondering how to get access to those those top opportunities or the clients you want to work for and with in your company, you need to become visible. And the place I always start with women is to say step one is Start to identify what you love doing that you excel at. And if you're listening today, grab a sheet of paper and create a table with just two columns. Column A is love it. And I want you to be able to say and think that with a huge smile. Like I love it. And column B is soul crushing. That's the work you come in. You can do it, but You'd rather just go to bed and go back to sleep rather than come in and do that work. And in terms of rows, think about what are the what are the tasks or skills that you excel at that fall into that column of I love it and I'm really, really good at it. And these are the skills that we're going to learn, you're going to learn to position and broadcast and lean into. And then I actually would recommend fill the other column out too. What are the things that you excel at that are soul crushing? The thought of coming into work tomorrow and doing that or coming back home and being tasked with those chores at home just saps you of your energy. And these are the things I never, ever, ever, ever want you to raise your hand to do anymore. So Dr. Rosina, can I ask you a question? Sure. What is something that would fall in column A for you? And what is something that would fall in column B for you? So something you love doing and excel at, and then something you excel at. But even though you are exceptional, it you really, really don't like doing it.
0: Well, in my situation, I love connecting with the patient, solving the problem, making the diagnosis, educating, and then <laughs> the soul crushing part is doing the charting, <laughs> and billing, and all this other aspect. That kind of is part and parcel of my work.
1: Right. And as a former clinical psychologist, I practiced for many years until very recently, and i can I can say I completely get it, right? But it's not true of all people. I used to have a somebody I was supervising, a clinic uh, clinically, and I just ran into her the other day. and all the things you hate, which by the way, were also the things I hated about being a psychologist, she loves. And it's all she does now. She does all that clinical insurance and charting work for the County of San Diego.
0: Right.
1: So it is, it, it's, it's really interesting. And the more, the more we spend time doing work that we absolutely love and excel at, the more we're gonna come into, into work with joy, the more effective we become. From an employer's perspective, if you're listening to this and you're an employer, another advantage of this is that it increases engagement and retention rates, right? So a happier, more joyful, less stressed workforce is a workforce that's going to stay and and be loyal and and do fantastic work and have great outcomes for you. So that's our starting point, we start there.
0: So identify what what you excel at and you love to do versus things that you can do, but it's soul crushing. It's kind of draining. Yes. All right. So
1: that's one, that's step one. And I just want to say, because again, most of the women I know, I bet you, you've done the same thing because we can help because we are good at doing things. We just raise our hands and we, again, assume that doing that should be enough, that people will recognize our value, that they'll be able to parse between the things we love and the things we don't love. And a lot of the women I know build a reputation around tasks and skill sets that they hate, But once that's your reputation, that's exactly what you're going to get hired for. So that's step one. Okay, the second step I talked to you about when it comes to articulating your value is it's not enough to come in and say, listen, what I'm really good at that I love doing is I'm like you, I love problem solving and connecting with people and getting them to a place where they never thought that they could get right, which is kind of the beauty (laughs) of psychiatry and psychology. You walk in and people feel so lost and you can help them recover from that sense of loss and feel in control of their lives and joyful again. So that's step one. But step two, you have to be able to explain to people, articulate for others what impact you can make with that skill. Because we assume that just because I tell somebody I'm great at building rapport or I'm very skilled at identifying problems and coming up with solutions, I'm, I'm great at brainstorming solutions that they'll understand how that skill needs to be leveraged in order to create an impact but i am going to give you a funny example because it's the example i love giving i always tell people i'm very good at noticing small details and i'm a very tidy organized person and that is a skill that gets leveraged in some parts of the work i do when i create my programs when i do things i want to make sure things have a level of excellence But another way where this could be leveraged, where my mom prepared me for the potential hardships of life to have it leveraged, is cleaning a house. When I was a little girl, when I was seven, my mom put all of us to get into the habit of house cleaning. She said, One day, if you can't find a job for any reason, you can always clean houses Mm -hmm. and you will be very good at your trade. Okay. That's not the impact I want to make with that skill that is attention detail and, and a drive for excellence. Like that. That is not the application of the skill. So it is my responsibility. And if you're working at a company, it is your responsibility to articulate to your team if you're a leader, to your leaders, to your clients, to any stakeholder, not only what you can do well, but the kind of impact you can and therefore want to create with that skill. So you're a problem solver, right? You could come in and say, one of the things I'm really good at is solving problems. One of the things I'm really good at, I have excellent bedside manners. I'm very good at connecting with my patients. But If you were to explain how you want to use that skill in, in this side of your career, what's the impact you want to make with it?
0: Well, I want to help people prevent getting burnout, prevent getting sick, so they don't have to become my patients really? <laughs> there's no there's no harm in becoming my patients but why suffer unnecessary if we can prevent things i you know i i think that is something i have struggled with articulating to people like you know when you say oh okay i have i have an md degree i have a master's in public health i have the certification in personalized medicine i have an integrative psychiatry fellowship i'm in you know i'm I've been trained in collaborative care model. That doesn't make sense to people. They have no idea how I can help them go from point A to point B. So they they can they can reverse the effect of chronic stress on their body. They can prevent becoming more seriously ill mentally or physically. But more importantly, they can be their best they can live their best life they can perform well they can focus well they can maintain their ability for a long period of time so those are a lot of things that i could do but i think i do have a hard time articulating to people how those skills that i had developed through my training and through 26 years of practice would help them so yeah
1: help me so here's the thing you just gave so much hope to all your female listeners. Because if somebody with 26 years of practice and all of those degrees still struggles to articulate her impact, then maybe it isn't so weird or off that they're not able to do it. The thing is, we're not taught to do this. So as women, none of us mm-hmm. are taught, and I've, I've worked with women all around the world. I've lived in five countries, three continents, like every woman I meet, tells me the same thing. In my country in my culture we are not taught. Women are not taught to say to focus on what they do really well. They're not taught to to mark themselves off based on what they do really well and to think about it. They're just taught to pitch in and help be helpful, be kind, be useful, be humble, all of those things. So you might start off and say, you know, one of the I have I have a degree In psychiatry, I've done all of this in medicine. You have the master's in public health. I have all this. One of the things I've learned over the course of my career is how to quickly and very effectively identify when people are under high levels of stress and what the impact of that stress is going to be. Not only am I able to identify that at the human, at the individual level, but with with the masters, you can identify it at the epidemiological level, right? Like the population level. And because of that, I can, right? And that's your segue into the impact. Because of that, I can very rapidly in a conversation with you, if you just give me a little bit of background in history, identify what your your current stressors are start talking to you about the best ways to address the stress in the short term and in the long term create an effective plan to move into action and get you to a place where you move from stress to joy right so that is that's how you want to use the skill set you don't necessarily i mean maybe you do you don't necessarily want to sit and do 15 minute sessions with people and do medication prescription It's the same thing with me as a psychologist. I don't practice as a psychologist anymore. My license is inactive as of this year. And I've actually not been actively practicing in two years. But I leveraged that whole skill set in a different way. And when I shifted my career, I had to get people to still acknowledge and respect the work that went into getting the PhD, but explain that I wanted to use this in a completely new context. It was my job to guide them instead of just assuming that if they read my website or my posts or I just told them what I did that they would understand what that is so step one is you need to know and own what you're really good at what you want to be known for the kind of work you want to come in and do and step two is you need to understand one needs to understand like to what to what effect like if I'm really good at problem solving if I'm really good at building rapport if I'm very organized if I'm incredible at data analysis or input. How do I want that skill to be used? And then to create stories around it. Either work relevant stories or analogies or personal stories. And then the third step I always tell people, if you want to articulate your value with a specific impact, meaning there's a stakeholder you're trying to influence, whether it's to get a promotion or or find a new client or or speak to an existing client about your product or anything you're doing, The next thing you have to do is step into your empathy and to the shoes of the person you're talking to and explain to them why, with the skill set you have and the impact you can make, why they should care. Often we think that if I come in and I say, I'm an excellent salesperson, I have an ability to build rapport with with our prospective clients and to translate technical details into terms that anybody can understand and because of that i have consistently been able to double the revenue of any team that i've been on within 6 months that that's your pitch as somebody who's articulating value but if you don't stop and understand why the person you're talking to cares about the doubling of the revenue or cares about adding somebody with that skill set you've lost one of your most powerful abilities to convince somebody that you are the right person for them, to explain to them why you, over anybody else with that skill, is the person that they should want working with them. So I always talk about it as empathy. Some people feel, oh, so you're just, but I'm like, no, it's about understanding what, what the person you're talking to, what their pain points are, and what their dreams are, and, and crouching your impact along those pain points or their dreams. So do you mind if I use you again as an example for your audience? Uh, okay, so the, your, your ideal person, the ideal woman you wanna work for and with, what what is she desperate to do? What is she struggling with that she just, she just wishes she didn't have to deal with? Or what is the one dream, this ambition that she has?
0: Well, most of the women that I, I like to work with in terms of prevention area, are, are women who are givers very compassionate leaders you know servant at heart mm-hmm. so they they give that giver they're they they will not fulfill all the responsibilities in their best possible way they want to be perfect and they want to meet everybody's needs and and in that process sometimes they forget about their own needs mm-hmm. and and then they feel overwhelmed because like they've committed to let's say six different projects you know whether you know at work and their kids school and the community and personal and so sometimes they kind of feel like overstretched mm-hmm. but because they have said yes now they have hard time creating that boundary or 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 just feeling like wanting to escape because it's just too much and losing the passion but they have committed and they do not want to let, People down the people who are depending on
1: them you and I used to work with a lot of the same people (laughs) Um, so you might be able when you're you know I'm very good at these things and I can create this impact really probably assuming I'm correct about the fact that we work with very much the same people it's a twofold the fear is if I don't help out if I don't show up other people will suffer Or other people will be disappointed in me. Or I'll I'll not fulfill my my responsibilities. But the dream, the desire is to have the rest of the world take care of them as well as they're taking care of of the rest of the world. All right, the dream is to be able to say no without guilt. You go to, to have 30 minutes of peace and quiet, um, to have somebody go ask someone else for help instead of them for once, right? So you can build that, right? I can do all these things and, and identify some of what the key problems are so that we can help you, help you figure out the how to continue showing up for others while still showing up for yourself. And what that means is, and that's when you can you can tie in, what that means is, yes, you are still the go-to person people count on, but... You don't say yes to everything that comes. I'm going to show you how to, which limits you want to set, what it looks like to have a healthy boundary, how to set a healthy boundary without feeling guilty. I'm going to help you create space so that you can go to sleep without worrying about everybody else. Wake up in the morning with a shorter to-do list. Um, Know that people out there are taking care of you just as well as you're taking care of them, right? So when we can build that final piece, what in marketing and sales, they call the value proposition. When you can build that value proposition in everyday conversations, you can really start convincing people, but more importantly, helping people see and understand how you bring value. Quick little story. I once had a four or five-year-old, whatever the youngest Girl Scout is, the brownies, Mm -hmm. try to sell me cookies. And at the time I was paleo, so I didn't eat cookies. And so she went to sell me cookies and I'm like, I don't eat the cookies, but if you give me the right pitch, if you tell me why I should, I might buy some cookies. And we worked through this process and she's like, well, these are my cookies. This is the value of the cookies, right? She, she talked about the money that they make and what they, the impact. We, I coached her, she was talking to me about with that money, what were the programs that she really loved in in, in her brownies or Girl Scouts? And then that value proposition guiding her towards, you know, for somebody like me who doesn't eat cookies, helping somebody like you would make me feel really good because I'm all about empowering girls and women and to step into their own. I feel it's really exciting that you get to do something you love. So it doesn't matter whether we're talking about a high-powered CEO, about somebody who's just starting in their new job, or your neighborhood Girl Scout who's trying to sell her cookies. When you understand your value or the value of what you're doing, and you can compellingly articulate it, talk about your impact and tie all of that to what motivates human beings, which is their well-being and their fears. You really can shape the world so that you step in every day and do the things you love, make the greatest positive impact, and do all of that on your terms. That
0: is wonderful. So so what happened with that story? Did was he able to sell the cookies or not? <laughs>
1: I, I, if I'm going to her, her older sister, she had a teenage sister. Um, her older sister tried to jump in, and I and I just had to stop her. I started my career as a child psychologist. So I'm like, just hold on. I promise, I'm helping her sell more cookies. Yeah. And she was, she was able. And after putting her through that, I bought two boxes of cookies that I promptly gave to the folks in my office.
0: Wonderful.
1: Wonderful. So, so
0: what a value proposition she gave you.
1: For, for her, we worked at, you know, she was asking me why I would care about helping. And so the value proposition for me was making me feel like I was doing something to contribute to her being a stronger, more empowered little girl. It is a huge, when I think of my business, part of the reason I want to, and I am working on continuing to scale to a seven, eight figure business is so I can do more pro bono work with girls and with, and with young women. So for me, that was done.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. So she was able to find what appeals to you, what gives you inner motivation. And so once she was able to articulate her value and connect it to what is important to you, then, then the alignment happened. That's wonderful. So let's kind of summarize or give the best advice to our audience as we come towards the end of the program. We've been talking about identifying our own value, finding what we love to do, and present in a way that aligns with it. And, and present it to our clients or audience, our our teams, our leadership, mm-hmm. and then bring it in alignment with what is their value and show you know using the empathy to create that alignment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So. Yeah, give us your best advice at
1: this time. The best way to summarize it is if you're listening to this, it is your responsibility to let other people know what you love to do, how you want your skills and your passion and your gifts to be leveraged. And you you have to do that. It is nobody else's responsibility or job to understand what you bring to the table. And that can be very jarring, but I promise you, I promise you, if you get in the habit of first identifying it for yourself and owning it and broadcasting it far and wide, you will start to find that you get to walk into work and in life doing the things you love and making a real impact with them because you're leveraging your top skills every day.
0: And like uh, one question that I was coming to my mind was that how you can be humble while presenting your value.
1: Oh, I'm so thankful you asked that. So because I, I, I specialize in working with women, a lot of the strategies or tactic or leadership skills I teach and I, and I develop in, in, in my executives are strategies that work with men too. I've taught men this process too. The difference with women is that in order for women to be able sometimes to apply these skills, we need to do it differently. And you just tapped in on something very important, which is due to gender bias, We're all pretty much okay when a man walks into a room and says, you know what? This deal, you can all thank me because I was able to X, Y, and Z, and I was so good. We might think it's cocky, but all in all, we're okay with that. If a woman were to walk in and do that, men and women alike would have consciously or unconsciously a very strong visceral reaction. Again, none of us have been socialized to hear women, unless you're a celebrity, walk in and say, look at me, I'm amazing. And yet, I come back to visibility's number one factor associated with advancement for women. So the way we bypass this at Noteworthy with women is we teach them to start and talk about passion. So instead of saying, you know, the one thing you need to know about me, Doc, is that I am very good at problem solving and at building rapport. What I might come in is either tell you the one thing I think you need to know about me is I love maybe I go directly and explain the skill or what I teach my clients to do is come up with analogies, personal stories or professional stories. So I might say the one thing you need to know about me is I'm that person you sit next to in an airplane. And my goal was to listen to music and read a book for the five hours of this international flight I was taking, but I'm gonna look at you and because I like people, I'm gonna ask you a question and next thing you know, three hours have gone by and you have told me more about yourself than you ever thought you would tell a stranger. And that's because I genuinely love people and I'm really good at building rapport. And I just did it. I just told you I'm really good at doing something but I have this interesting story and an image in your mind. And so that's going to go on more smoothly. And then I can say, and you know, what's really interesting is this is a skill I use all the time in my job. See, I'm an executive coach. So my job is to have conversations with very powerful, very effective women about where they feel like they need help and support. And that can be a really vulnerable conversation. And in order to get women to open up, and to reveal some of these things to me, I have to be able to build trust. And like I just said, I'm really good at building rapport. So this is something I can do easily, which means I'm able to get to the bottom of what's going on in women's life very rapidly. I mean, I could go, on. I'm not doing a pitch for myself right now, but that's that's the process, right? It becomes conversational. It's not this, look at me, I'm so amazing.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, kind of feel like arrogance. So you kind of articulated in a, in a very conversational manner. Mm-hmm. You were humble, but you still highlighted your best qualities. So mm-hmm. that's great. Yeah. Um, I also learned a lot. Listeners, uh, please share in the comment, what what is your best tip that you learned? A story where you may have applied this that may help all of us to learn. So thank you so much for sharing all, all your wisdom today. And people want to reach you and learn more about all your gifts. How can they
1: reach you? There are two fantastic places to reach me. One is my website, and that's noteworthyinc.co. So, n-o-t-e-w-o-r-t-h-y-i-n-c.co. So noteworthyinc.co. And the other place is LinkedIn. I post nearly every day on LinkedIn. So you have the most updated ideas, most updated thoughts, and also experiences because I write a lot about the experiences of the women I work with and speak to.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for the gift that you're going to share with our audience. Three unforgettable strategies to articulate your value clearly, compellingly, and confidently. That's wonderful. Tell us what
1: people get, when You've been listening to this and thought, oh my goodness, I need to go back and re-listen to it and take a thousand notes. You don't need to. Because this, this worksheet is, first of all, going to break down these three steps again, but also walk you through the exact process that we use at Noteworthy to help our clients articulate their value and become unforgettable so they can position themselves and their teams, honestly, for the roles of a lifetime.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. And then if you want to have this resource, please head on to our website, happyandhealthymind.com. And when you press that button resources, you would be able to download this gift and other gifts that our wonderful guests in this program share with us. I hope you found value in this program. If you think it can help others, please like subscribe and share. So more people can benefit from this program. And let me leave you with this question. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Life is a gift and either you can let it pass, do not shine light on yourself and lose out on some of the opportunities that you may have to impact the world or apply some of the tools that you learned today. Identify what is best in you to offer to the world Shine the light on yourself humbly and in your own style so it feels comfortable, And but do become visible so that you get valued, so that you get opportunities, and so that you can give the world your best gifts. Choice is yours. Stay safe, happy, and healthy until next time. Thank you, Alessandra, for joining us today.
1: Thank you, and goodbye, everyone.